is a cool, very cool, little chilly Sunday night. But I've had an amazing weekend. Hopefully you have too. I mean, I got a lot done. Went to the gym Saturday and Sunday. Did some Christmas cards, and we will totally talk about that later. Watched some sports, watched some movies. Did a little bit of everything. It was awesome. I love the weekend. Wish I could repeat. Live, love, weekend awesomeness, repeat. You know, that would be real cool. If that could actually happen and we just repeat the weekend and not do a work week. But, gotta do the work week because then we got a week of awesome episodes of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. And we're here and that's what we're gonna do. I'm your host, Brandon Lachance. This is episode 144. The guest that I have on today, highly, highly honored that he took time out of his day to chat with Edge of Your Seat Podcast, Kevin Hieronymus, sports editor of the BCR for the last 34 years, inducted into the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association Hall of Fame. I'm very happy for him. It is well-deserved. I sent him a message on Twitter, and I had to get him on. Had to talk about this amazing achievement for him, for any sports writer, for any athlete, coach, to get into this Hall of Fame is amazing. The names in this Hall of Fame are mind-blowing. There are some amazing names. Google it. Look up the people that are in the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association Hall of Fame. It is quite an accomplishment. Kevin Hieronymus definitely deserves it. He's on here today, talks about everything the journey for him, some of the top moments. We worked together on a lot of them, and it was cool to share those moments with him and to be able to relive them and tell our sides of the story. It was pretty cool. So definitely an honor, an honor to have him on, and it was a great chat. He's a great dude. If you've never talked to Kevin Aronimus, and you see him out and about in a game, when we have games, when COVID-19 is over and life is normal, if you've never talked to him, just walk up to him. He's a cool dude, very approachable. Just say, hey, Kevin, congrats. You're awesome. Whatever you want to say to him. He'll stop and talk to you, no doubt. Great guy. Thank you for listening to us as always. If you did not catch the last episode on Facebook, on Twitter, I had said that Edge of Your Seat podcast reached 1,299 downloads for the month of November. Then I get an email a day later or two days later saying, you know, sorry, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes wasn't added in, so your count wasn't correct. It was actually 2,389. Blew my mind. That is the edge of your seat record. Hopefully we can beat it maybe in December, maybe soon, but I'm holding on to that dearly because that's amazing. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for being part of the show. It means a lot to me. Much love and appreciation for you spending your time, interacting. Everything that is going on with Edge of Your Seat Podcast does not happen. Does not happen. Let me reiterate. Does not happen without you, without the listeners, checking in, tuning in, being part of the show. Thank you very much wholeheartedly. Don't know where you caught this one, catching this one. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and the website rss.com backslash podcast backslash 
Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Hit us up on social media. Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Twitter, Edge of Your Seat P. And you can also send us an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com for any questions, suggestions, want to be a guest, know somebody that would be a good guest, want to advertise on the podcast, have a good story, any of the above or anything else, hit us up through an email. Before we get to Kevin Aronimus, got a lot of things got to dive into. It's Sunday, Sunday night. The Sunday night game just wrapped up. So let's dive into this right now. The first segment, going to be week 14 of NFL football, is brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford. It's a community dealership that is here for you. Week 14 saw a lot of coolness, a lot of craziness, and a lot of things I am happy about. Thursday, we already kind of went over the game. Rams 24, Patriots 3, Rams running back Cam Akers, 26 carries for 171 yards. Great day for him. Got that pick correct in my pick'em league. Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Bears were a noon game against the Houston Texans. I'm not going to lie. After the last two weeks of Chicago Bears football that I've seen, I had to go Texans. I know, bad Bears football fan I am, but when it comes to pick'ems, there's jelly beans on the line, you know, I kind of have to wage war between the two. I cannot pick the Bears every week thinking that they're going to win every week and my jelly beans are safe if that's not true. I don't have hair. I'm not trying to lose my beard hair or let it go gray faster. The Bears have made some of my hair disappear and are already causing white hairs in the beard. So, I try. I try. But they added more gray hairs this week as the Bears played awesome football looked really good against Houston and won 36-7. I'll take the loss in the Pickums. I don't care. I want the Bears to go undefeated every single season, but I got to try to manage that around my jelly beans as well. Sometimes you get weeks like this, and I'm cool with it. I definitely am. Little gray hairs because, eh, maybe you're not going to have your jelly beans, but the rest of my picks went really well. Only missed three so far coming into Monday Night Football. If I could go 13-3, and three, that's awesome. I love it. The Bears game, like I said, the offense looked absolutely amazing. Mitchell Tabisky, 24 of 33, 267 yards, three touchdowns. Couple passes weren't very accurate, but he was getting them there. He was giving his receivers an opportunity to catch the ball, make plays, score touchdowns. That's what you need to do as an NFL quarterback. If he looks like this every week, awesome. Awesome. I'm cool with that. They were playing against the Houston Texans, who have an awful defense. The Texans' offensive line could not handle Chicago Bears. Not at all. They got a safety. Deshaun Watson was under pressure all day. Got hit a lot. Thrown off his game, which was amazing. Gotta love that Bears defense. They played really well against Houston. Just like the offensive line and the skill players did for the Bears offense. David Montgomery had an 80-something yard touchdown. Thought they were going to keep giving him the ball. They didn't. He only had 11 carries for 113 yards and a touchdown, but he had a great day. He just could have had a, an amazing day, an even better day. Allen Robinson, 
amazing wide receiver, route runner, get the ball, catches the ball, everything that you need somebody to do. I hope that A-Rob stays for a very long time. Nine catches, 123 yards, and a touchdown. Like I said, if the Bears could look like this every week, I would be a very, very happy man. Are they going to win every game? No, but they're putting themselves in position to do it and not look like a bum team. That is what you need as a franchise. As an NFL franchise, you just got to be confident. That's it. That's it. The Bears looked amazing against Houston again. One of the worst defenses in the league, but we'll take it. This is a good starting point. Now let's build from this. we got three weeks left. Vikings, Jaguars, Packers. Vikings and Jaguars, winnable games if you play like this. Very winnable games. Packers, you got to do a little better. Play at a higher level than you even did against the Texans. But you got three weeks to get there or to try to get there. So maybe something happens and clicks and the Bears can go 3-0 to end the season, the regular season. It might be in the playoffs. I would dig it. I would dig it. Cowboys 30, Bengals 7. Pick the Cowboys. Bengals are beat up. Joe Burrow out, tore ACL, out for the year. It was cool seeing their backup, Brandon Allen, actually played solid. 217 yards and a touchdown. However, lost three fumbles. Not him, but the Bengals in general. You lose three fumbles. Cowboys pick each one of them up, leading the scores. That's a tough one. You're going to lose. Chiefs 33, Dolphins 27. Pick the Chiefs. Mahomes didn't have a great day. Threw for 393 yards, two touchdowns, but four turnovers, a fumble, and three interceptions. Travis Kelsey, an amazing tight end, probably the best in the game. Okay, he is the best in the game right now. Sorry, Rob Gronkowski. I'm going Travis Kelsey. 136 yards and a touchdown. Got this one right also. Cardinals 26, Giants 7. DeAndre Hopkins, 136 yards and a touchdown. He had 136 out of Kyler Murray's 244 and the only touchdown for the rookie quarterback. Buccaneers 26, Vikings 14. Got this one right as well. Buccaneers coming off a bye week. Offense way too strong for the Vikings defense. That is struggling that I thought would be better than it is. I actually just dropped the Vikings defense off of a fantasy football team of mine because it's not that good. Broncos 32, Panthers 27. Broncos are not a awesome team, but they're good enough to beat teams like the Panthers. I picked them. They did it. Good stuff for the Broncos. Titans 31, Jaguars 10. Derrick Henry is a monster. 26 carries, 215 yards, two touchdowns. I feel Derrick Henry is the best running back in the league. There are some other options. Some players are playing really well, but Derrick Henry, the speed, the size, the monster ability, he goes beast mode like only Marshawn Lynch could, and he was one of the best in the league for, I'm going to say, about a good five-year stretch. Derrick Henry is a monster. I love the dude. I might even get a jersey just to show how much I love Derrick Henry. Just amazing. Colts, 44. Raiders, 27. Jonathan Taylor, running back for Indy, went nuts. 20 carries, 150 yards, two touchdowns. Hard to stop that. Colts offense looked good. Defense looked good. Colts, cruised by the Raiders. Seattle Seahawks, 40. New York Jets, 3. Saw this happening. 
Seahawks have been struggling, needed a gimme game. Here comes the winless Jets. Russell Wilson, 206 yards, four touchdowns. And he did that in two and a half quarters. By the end of the third, he decided, hey, we're killing him. Let's give my guy Geno Smith, the backup quarterback, some rub, some run. And he got in and played well. First time since 2017, another quarterback took a snap, and it was Geno Smith. That's Russell Wilson being an awesome team player and be like, hey, I don't need to get hurt. We're up. Let this other guy get some time, get in. He sat in the post-conference interview. Hey, we're friends. That's my guy. He deserved to get in the game. And he did. It was awesome. Good stuff for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Packers 34, Lions 24. Lions not a good team. Packers pretty amazing. Rodgers 290 yards, three touchdowns. Devontae Adams 117 yards and one of those touchdowns. Here is my second L of the football week 14. Eagles 24, Saints 21. Whoever in the right mind thought the Saints were going to get defeated by the Philadelphia Eagles. Nobody. In my pick'em league, nobody picked the Eagles. How are the Eagles going to beat the Saints? Well, starts with running back Miles Sanders. 14 carries, 115 yards, two touchdowns. Breaking off big runs, explosive, just went nuts. And what also helps the Eagles, which they should have done a million years ago, benched Carson Wentz. Jalen Hurts plays 17 out of 30. 167 yards and a touchdown in the air. But that's not all, folks. On the ground, 18 carries, 106 yards. Went nuts. We know Jalen Hurts has got some ability. He's got some talent. This could be the end of the days, the end of the road for Carson Wentz, and it should be not a fan. I say this just because I've had him on fantasy teams the last couple years. And it's not been good news. This year, I benched him for Joe Burrow. Then Joe Burrow got hurt. I rode with him like another week or two. Then I benched him for David Carr. Benched him for Mitchell Trubisky this week, who scored me 45 points. Time to let Carson Wentz go. Good win for the Eagles. Bad loss for the Saints. They've been banged up. Taysom Hill played well again. The backup quarterback for the Saints, who is filling in for... Drew Brees, who's fractured a lot of ribs. I still can't believe this happened, though. I still can't believe it. My third loss. The Los Angeles Chargers 20, Atlanta Falcons 17. You know, it was a crapshoot. Now, after this week, after this game, they both got four wins. So it wasn't like, oh, my God, a really great team lost. No, they're both not good. But I just thought the Falcons were better. I saw the Chargers against the Patriots get beat 45 nothing. And Patriots are nothing to brag about. So I thought the Falcons with that offense, with Matt Ryan, could beat them. Well, I was wrong. Washington, 23. The San Francisco 49ers, 15. I got this one correct. 49ers have been a huge disappointment this year. Whether you want to blame injuries or COVID-19, which for the 49ers is both, not can be, it is both. Washington trying to turn things around. Maybe get into the playoffs. Maybe take to the division because the NFC East is pretty awful. They get a great win over the 49ers. 
Bills 26, Steelers 15, the Sunday night football game that just wrapped up. I went Bills and I was correct. The Steelers have been falling from grace, from elite status for probably the last three or four weeks. They lost last week to Washington. Another reason why I picked Washington over 49ers. If you can beat the Steelers, you should be able to beat the 49ers, and they did. They didn't play well against the Ravens. They're not able to catch balls. The defenses looked flat, and it showed again against the Bills. Josh Allen, Buffalo quarterback, 238 yards, two touchdowns. He is slowly becoming one of my favorite players to watch. He's dynamic. He moves well, makes good reads. He is a lot of fun to watch play the game of football. Wide receiver for Buffalo, Stephon Diggs. 10 receptions, 130 yards, and a touchdown. He is also amazing to watch as well. With all those games, I'm 12-3 and three at the moment. Monday Night Football got Baltimore Ravens at Cleveland Browns. I am going Browns just because they're on a high streak, and the Ravens really haven't been playing well at all. They're getting wins, but they've been ugly and kind of luck. I think Cleveland's got this. I know it's weird that I'd ever say the Cleveland Browns are going to beat the Baltimore Ravens, but I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now. Hopefully you enjoyed your football Sunday and check out Monday Night Football tonight. You know I'm going to be got to, right? You got to. The NFL Week 14 segment was brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership dedicated to being community first. It's December. End of a treacherous 2020. Thank you. Let this year be over. Mendota Ford wants to usher in a better 2021 with an end of the year sale like never before. New management leads the team into the new year as Ski Hartman brings 10 years of experience with a pressure-free, no-hassle approach for your buying experience. Go visit my friends Ski, Jason, Tony, Doug, at Shimmer Ford, located just south of Mendota on 251, or contact them at 815-539-9314, or visit MendotaFord.com. Also going on this weekend was some awesome NCAA men's college hoops. Saturday. I tuned into this. A lot of people that I'm friends with on Facebook and the Twitter world were buzzing as number six, Illinois and Missouri, a battle of the borders for Illinois and Missouri happened on Saturday night. Missouri takes the game 81-78. Missouri, Mizzou came in not ranked where Illinois is six in the country. Illinois now falls to 4-2. Missouri is undefeated 5-0. Illinois will probably fall a couple spots. Missouri may get into the top 25 with a win like that. Ayo Desumu for Illinois got no help. He scored 36 points, grabbed 5 rebounds, had an assist. Nobody was knocking down shots. Nobody was cutting. The offense looked stagnant if Ayo didn't have the ball and was creating and doing something with it. Can't have that. It's good to have a star, but if you're playing good teams, you're not going to win that way. Mizzou had the answers when they needed them, and bam, Missouri takes the game from Illinois. Another game I was interested with on Saturday, number 16, North Carolina, 73, North Carolina Central, 67. The Tar Heels are in trouble if they're only beating a team like North Carolina Central by six points. Not saying that North Carolina Central is awful, 
But what happens when you play Iowa, Michigan State, Duke, Illinois, all of the top-tier teams that you're going to run into, especially in the ACC, what's going to happen then? They better get it together. Otherwise, they're going to fall out of the top 16 real quick. Real, real, real fast. Today's action, Sunday's action, number three, Iowa stays 6-0 with a 106-53 victory over NIU. Northern Illinois Huskies not doing so good and definitely not against Iowa. NIU is 0-5. I say it like that. DeKalb, where NIU is, is 45 minutes north of me, maybe not even that far. I've been to NIU many, many times. Actually, last season, me and Edge of Your Seat podcast friend Pat Beals went and seen a women's game there. And if we can get back to games, we will go to more Husky games, whether it be the women or the men. 106-53 is ugly. For Iowa, Luke Garza, 23 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists. Michigan State stayed undefeated at 6-0 as the number four team in the country defeated Oakland 109-91. West Virginia, 11th in the country, defeated Richmond, who is number 19, 87-71. I love Richmond Spiders. I like what they're doing. I like their personnel. I like how they're coached. I'm always rooting for Richmond to be ranked, to defeat some of these teams. Lost by 16 to number 11, West Virginia, but hopefully they got better days around the corner. Ohio State also stays undefeated at 5-0. They're 22nd in the country and defeated Cleveland State 67-61. They better be watching out too or they're going to fall out the top 25. They're only beating Cleveland State by 6 points. There's a lot of better teams around. And if they play like that, they're going to get knocked out. Arizona State 23 in the country. Defeated Grand Canyon 71-70. It was Grand Canyon's first loss as they fall 4-1. Arizona State's now 4-2. Again, you're 23rd in the country, defeating Grand Canyon, who nobody even knows where they're at. They are in the WAC conference, but defeated them by one point. Watch out, bro. Watch out. Also, let's watch out for our physical fitness. Because let's face it, it's not easy to get in shape or to stay physically fit, especially in this holiday season we're in. Follow up Thanksgiving with Christmas. You got ham and turkey and cookies and pies. and whew. There are always factors working against us. All of us. Including the previous mentioned holidays. Time, work schedules. Lack of a support system. Maybe motivation is low. You don't want to be judged or criticized if not supporting a gym rat body. Injuries or physical restrictions. However, there is a place where these no's or maybes become yeses. LP CrossFit. LP CrossFit, located at the Peru Mall across from Secret Nails, offers a weekly schedule of classes for any level of fitness. It's not one time. It's not only one day. There are many options and classes only last one hour. A support group? LP CrossFit is a diverse community focused on fun and hard work. All members know each other's names and support one another during workouts. Motivation? The trainers at LP CrossFit help you reach your goals and get into the best shape of your life with workouts of numerous movements, including body weight, gymnastic, and barbell. Everyone is guided or pushed at a productive and comfortable level. 
If you're an experienced athlete or getting your first taste of physical fitness, everyone is welcomed and viewed as equals. You would go at your own pace. Want to go hard? Hello. How are you? Go get at it. That's the atmosphere. That's how you're welcome there. You want a more relaxed approach? LP CrossFit welcomes you the same way. Hello. How are you? Go get at it. Injuries and mobility restrictions are a huge priority at LP CrossFit as all small group classes are coach-led and movements are infinitely scalable for all members. LP CrossFit opens all doors for everyone. Check out LP CrossFit on Facebook or at lpcrossfit.com. Few things want to randomly run through. Might jump around sports here, but these are just things I wanted to talk about. First, the Duke men's basketball team has canceled the rest of the non-ACC schedule. A COVID-19 move. We're seeing this all over the country. It's sad. Want to see Duke against Illinois. Want to see Duke against other Big Ten teams. Pac-12 teams. Don't just want to see them play ACC schedule, but we got to be safe. Got to be healthy. And if Duke feels that this is what they got to do, then I guess this is what they got to do. Stanford women's basketball coach Tara Vanderveer won her 1098th game to tie Pat Summit. Rest in peace, Pat Summit, who was a legendary coach for the Tennessee Volunteers. She tied her. Tara tied Pat in hoops history, and we're just at the beginning of the season. So very soon, this record is going to be Tara Vanderveer's instead of Pat Summit's. Records are made to be broken, even if the one that holds it is watching us in heaven. And the way Pat Summit was as a person, I didn't know her personally, but the ESPN interviews, the documentaries that have been done, she would be happy to see Tara Vanderveer take this record and run with the women's college game the way that Stanford is. Paul George, Los Angeles Clippers in the NBA, gets a max contract, guaranteed $226 million over five years. I love Paul George. I think he's a great player. But if he had a season like he did last year where he was great and then he wasn't and then he was great and then he was mediocre, that's not worth $226 million over five years. Got to play consistent, get over your injuries, get over the mind game, and you and Kawhi Leonard can roll in the NBA. Hopefully that's what happens and we see the best duo that we've seen in a while because they got the ability, the talent to do so. Should have talked about this a week ago, but Big Ten football is changing its policy that they came out after they started the season. So COVID is here. And they're like, you know what? We're not playing this year. Them and the Pac-12 did this. Big Ten was like, nah, we're not playing. And then everybody else was. ACC, the MAC, you can list them all, the American Association, all of them kept playing. So then the Big Ten's like, okay, we'll start our season, but if we have a team that does not play at least six games, you can't be in the title game. Well, COVID has happened. Still, players are not able to play. Teams are not able to field the field. And then now you got teams like Ohio State, Iowa, a couple others that do not have six games and you're not allowing them to be in a championship game for your conference. They're like, oh, we missed the bucket here again, and now we got to change it. Especially 
They were just going to hand it to Northwestern because they were going to play six games where Iowa, a better team, better record. They're like, no, it doesn't matter. You didn't play your six games. They heard a lot about it, I am sure, because I have, everybody has, and now they're changing their policy. Big Ten has fumbled this COVID-19 thing really bad. James Harden of the Houston Rockets in the NBA already requested this trade. First it was the Nets. Now it's Philadelphia 76ers and maybe the Milwaukee Bucks. I kind of want Harden to be gone from Houston. I want to see what happens. If he goes to 76ers, who do they part with? Do they get rid of Joel Embiid? Do they get rid of Ben Simmons? You're not keeping both of them and getting James Harden. No way. Who moves? What are some of the pieces? If he goes to the Milwaukee Bucks, how does that work with Giannis, Antetokounmpo, got Drew Holiday, some other pieces there. Who gets moved? You're not going to trade Giannis and Harden straight up. I mean, I guess you could, but that would be interesting. I want to know what happens here. I wish I could push a fast forward button so I know where Harden's going. Couple White Sox moves. Lance Lynn, pitcher, traded to the White Sox for Dane Dunning and a prospect. I think it's a good move. Give us a veteran, solid rotational pitcher. I'm excited about this. Adam Eaton coming back to Chicago for a one-year, $7 million deal. He's got a second-year team option for $8.5 million. I think it's cheap. I think it's a solid player that you can fill in outfield spots, and you're going to get your $7 million worth. And if you don't, then you let him go, and you don't have to spend another eight point five. But if you're happy with it, give him the 8.5, and he comes back another year. I'm totally cool with it. Should be a great deal. And the last thing, Floyd Mayweather has agreed to fight Logan Paul, who is a YouTube star and the brother of Jake Paul, who knocked out Nate Robinson, former NBA player, a couple weeks ago when Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. locked up. They were in the undercard. So, we got another Paul, Logan Paul, fighting one of the greatest ever. That's going to happen February 2021, and you know a guy like me is going to be watching, and we will be talking about it right here on Edge of Your Seat Podcast. So fast forward to February, and you know what we're talking about. Summer came and went. Fall's over. It's winter. Middle of December. But this doesn't mean there isn't time for end-of-the-year improvements. Olson Construction works hard to help its customers until it's no longer possible. The good thing is... They can go inside. They can remodel kitchens. They can lay down tiling. They can make improvements on your garage, your shed. Olson Construction can do it all. Brothers Keith Miles and Tommy Olson will use their more than 10 years of experience to take care of their home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. The licensed and insured family owned and operated company prides itself in offering family honesty on any job. Whether it be roofing, siding, windows, doors, stairs, deck designs, floors and tiling, garage additions, room additions, or full remodels. With COVID-19 making it hard to celebrate the holidays, this may be a great time to make your home as comfortable and cozy as possible. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction at 815-910-5982. Check out the Olson Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to Olson Construction 19 
at gmail.com. Before we get into Kevin Hieronymus and his great stories and the amazing chat that we had with the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association Hall of Famer, that feels good just to say that for him. He's a friend of mine, and it's really awesome to be able to say that. Before we talk to Kevin, I want to talk about Christmas cards. I know it is an old-fashioned tradition, and we're on Facebook and emails and our phones and text messages and all this other stuff that has replaced cards. It's not really cool anymore, right? There's so many different things with technology that you really don't need cards. I love them. I love them, I love them, I love them. A family member posted something, tagged me in it, said, hey, with the way 2020's been, we need to share some Christmas spirit with our loved ones, with everybody that we know and care about. Let's send some Christmas cards out. Give me your address. We'll send you one and make you smile. I was like, this is a great idea. Why not do some Christmas cards? So I did the same thing. I reposted what was sent to me and between my friends and family that I already decided I was going to send one and the people that reached out to me, I'm sending 54 Christmas cards. And I'm very, very happy about it. 55 cents a stamp, kind of crazy, but if that's all it's going to cost me to make somebody smile, make somebody be like, oh, you know, thank you. I appreciate this. This just made my Christmas, the end of an awful 2020, a little bit better. Why not? Why not? We're talking about your loved ones, your family. And it's always cool getting something in the mail that's not a bill or spam or an advertisement. Why not get a Christmas card from somebody that you love? Well, hopefully you love me. If you don't love me, you know, you got family and friends too. They can send you one. But it's definitely really cool. And I think I'm going to start doing it every year. I know it's an old tradition. But, you know, sometimes old traditions aren't awful and they should stick around. I feel Christmas cards are definitely something that should be here forever to make your family and friends smile in a very special time of the year. And especially now during an awful year. That's my spiel on Christmas cards. Gonna let you go. Guess I gotta go to sleep, got work in the morning, you know, all that crazy stuff. We will be back three times this week. Don't know the days exactly, but got my guests lined up already. So I'm gonna drop an exclusive right here. First, we got Josh Nauman, the Illinois Valley Community College women's basketball coach. We talk a little bit about IVCC, able to practice in the fall. I am an assistant coach with him, trying to be around a little more this season so I can learn more from him, be more part of the team. No doubt about that. Talk about the Eagles. Also talk about his movie quest. COVID started and he plugged out movies, just watching movies every day. And it slowed down a little bit in the last few months, but it's still keeping a running count of movies that he is watching during COVID-19. Pretty cool. We talk a lot about movies, a lot about sports that he's watched as well, since we're all pretty much confined to our homes and we got a TV. <laughs> That's how it goes. Also got Brian Cavelli, the creator, the mastermind behind the intro and outro beat for Edge of Your Seat podcast. Longtime friend of mine, 16 years from college, freshman dorms together. I think he was three doors down from me in the dorm, and we have been in contact, communication ever since, and had to have him on the show. Lots of awesomeness to talk about there. 
Then, Amanda Koss, a co-worker of mine now, is in a dilemma like all of us are. COVID-19 happened, she's got three young kids, schools and daycares, and she's got a job, and how do you juggle? No sports involved in this one. So all the people that are keep telling me, why is it always sports? Why not anything else? Try to make every show kind of like a daily show, a variety show, and keep it fresh. Amanda Koss is going to help us do that, talking about the struggle of being a COVID-19 mom. Also, she's trying to get on the school board, and she wants to tell you why she should be on. So, three great episodes coming this week. It's going to be an amazing time at Edge of Your Seat Podcast right before the holiday season. So please keep tuning in, keep listening, keep following, write a review, all those things on social media. Please, we love it, appreciate it, and thank you. I can't say thank you enough. It is amazing doing the show, and it's amazing having you listen and being a part of it. With that said, we got to go. We got to get to Kevin Hieronymus right now before he leaves for the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association Hall of Fame and never talks to me or anyone else again. We got him right here. Until next time, peace. Two minutes ago, I finally set my NFL pickums for week 14, just a little bit before the games. You know, been busy, busy guy. And I was super excited to who I have on Edge of Your Seat podcast today. So I had to get it in because I didn't know how long we were talk because I know we can both talk forever because that's what we do for a living. I am talking about Kevin Hieronymus. How is it going, my friend? Going good. Going good, Brandon. How are you? I am doing fantastic. I don't know if I told you that, but I wanted to have you on here for quite a while. Now I got a reason. Yeah, well, I'm guessing my invitation got lost in the mail, huh? <laughs> now I was just waiting for the perfect time. But now I have a reason to have you on, Kevin. Yeah, I'm uh, happy to be here for you. Perfect. You are going to be inducted into the Illinois High School Basketball Coaches Association Hall of Fame from me, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and all the listeners that have not told you personally. I mean, you've been doing sports writing, editing for a very, very long time, and it's well-deserved, so congratulations, Kevin. Hey, thanks a lot. I, I really appreciate it. It's very honored by this award. Now, how did it work? How did you find out that you were going to be in the Hall of Fame? Uh, kind of by complete surprise, to tell you the truth, Brandon. Because I'm not working at the office, I failed to open the letter from the IBCA informing me of this award. I had a co-worker text me a picture of the letter at my desk and said, that's okay, I'll, I'll check it out sometime. Just assuming that it was just the uh, their mailing of this year's winner's. Come Monday morning, the official announcement was tweeted out, and basically my text and Twitter kind of started blowing up on me. That's when I figured it out. So it was a complete surprise, very pleasant surprise. I bet, but like I said, I'm happy for you. I've worked with you. We've talked many, many times, and I know you deserve it. So, yeah, congratulations. I can only say it again. I mean, I'm really happy for you. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool, Brandon. I've uh, got to say I've been overwhelmed and humbled by all the well wishes I've received from people. Truth, I can't begin to count how many uh, people I've heard from. Right, I've heard from people from that I wrote about or even coached over 30 years ago. I've heard from coaches, you know, who have been retired for 10, 15 years. Heard from all the current coaches. It's just, truthfully, it's been overwhelming. It really warms my heart. Awesome. That's fantastic. You mentioned 30 years ago. How long have you been in the sports game? 
at the Bureau County Republican. It was 34 years ago, uh, November, November 6, 1986. I walked into the old, old BCR building. You want to take a guess what my first assignment was, Brandon? Uh, I am going to go cricket. <laughs> no, no, not cricket. I did cover rugby down at ISU for the student newspaper, but no cricket. I covered Lamoille at Tampico football game, playoff football game at Tampico. Lamoille won. Tampico is not even a school anymore. Correct. They're uh, up there with Provincetown. And Lamoille doesn't have a football team. They co-op. They co-op with uh, Amoy, yeah. So that's a long time ago. That is a very long time ago, yep. Every now and then I run across that first article and kind of brings a smile. It's one of those things, Brandon, which some, some things you write, even though it's been so long ago, I, I remember the article uh, quite well. So November 86, I was one year old in a month. I was born in October of 85. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> I had to, Kevin, because if it was roles reversed, you would definitely point it out to me. Oh, I hear that all the time. You young whippersnappers, um, Goldie Rap, my boss at the BCR, our new editor, she reminds me that she was not born when I started working at the BCR, so there you go. So you are still at the BCR, correct? Yes, sir. 34 years, going strong. I like it. I like it. Knowing you, knowing what you've done, I mean, you have covered every single sport, everything. Why do you think you got into the Basketball Hall of Fame? What was it about that sport that they spotlighted you and like, hey, we need this guy in the Hall of Fame? I always say if you're around long enough, something like this is bound to happen. And I'm not sure how many other sports have a Hall of Fame going, to be honest with you. That is true. So when you first started in the business, was this a dream? Was this something you were shooting for? Something that you thought was even possible? Truthfully, I'd never ever given any thought. Not really on my radar. I mean, I see the list every year, and I always love looking at the players, you know, see the ones I know and the coaches and, and look at the media and see the ones that, you know, that I know. And, no, honestly, I never gave it not any thought. The only Hall of Fame I wanted to be in, Brandon, was Cooperstown. And that didn't work out too good. I was going to say, I don't know if you got a shot at that one, Kevin. My eligibility's up. I think my uh, semi-pro days won't carry me to Cooperstown. So this IBCA, this is my Cooperstown. Well, it's a pretty good substitute. I like it. I'm very, very honored. You see all those... Uh, I mean, there's a lot of big-name media people over the years. Just a thrill to see these old players' teams that you've either covered or heard about and, you know, to see them inducted. Just, it's quite the honor. When I first seen the Twitter post, I congratulated you, and then I thought about it, and I'm like, out of all the people that I worked with, that I've been around in journalism, I'm in 15 years now, I guess 16, and to me... Like, you being in the Hall of Fame made most sense, or more sense, than anybody I've worked with. You've been doing this so long, right? really good stories. I've covered basketball games with you. I'll never forget the girls' basketball sectional final between Hall and Byron. We were sitting right next to each other, Hall fans behind us, yelling at <laughs> Hall players and coaches. I'll never forget that situation. That was kind of a, uh, quite the experience, wasn't it? It was a loud, should we say, atmosphere. And what I liked about working with you is if I missed something or if you missed something, you'd be like, hey, Brandon, what happened? Uh, who got the assist or who picked up the fumble or whatever? And we sit there and talk and help each other out, which 
in my mind, you know, I'm a competitive dude, so I had to get used to that, but I was like, hey, I like Kevin, I could share with him. So it was a yeah. cool environment working with you. Yeah, it was. It was always fun, Brandon, with you and all the all the gang on the sidelines. Uh, I mean, we're all in this together. It might be different uh, publications, but uh, in the end game, uh, you know, let's help each other out, and, and uh, we all get everything correct rather than, you know, taking a guess on, you know, who ran that ball or who got that rebound. Definitely, definitely. And now I'm thinking here of memories of being on sidelines or in press boxes with you. You already know what I'm going to say next. The fire at Hall. When we both. I knew you were going to say that one. <laughs> you knew I was going to say that one? I did, yeah. If you recall, that was the fastest this old sports editor ever moved out of a press box. We were standing right next to each other. I look and I see smoke. And I'm like, hey, uh, there's smoke right there. So we both look out the window, or as far as we can, and then all of a sudden we both booked it. I've never run that fast before either, I don't think. I mean, I wasn't going to stay around any longer to find out. We saw smoke, and I saw sparks, and, you know, I was a good company man, Brandon. I, I grabbed my laptop on my way out and got out of there. Well, at least you grabbed the laptop. I thought that was a good move for the company, you know, protect that property that get that equipment and uh get out of there you know and some people went back into into that when they said it was clear but i did not i stayed on the sidelines the rest of the night yeah i didn't go back in actually i think was that that was the hall princeton game correct yeah that had the crazy ending princeton's yeah. winning they do a kind of a flea flicker sort of kind of deal with a halfback pass and he throws it and it's a touchdown and it was insane after a fire in the press box. It was a crazy night. Uh, if you recall, James Montino made made that pass and went flying basically right by me on the Princeton sideline. I think he got hit after he passed it and went flying through the mud and the next thing you know, the ball's caught in the end zone and Red Devils definitely pulled one out. Yeah, that was insane. I was probably about three feet to the left of you, so I turned right, saw Matino get smashed right by yeah. you, and then yeah. Stephen Bruss catches it and goes in the end zone. That was insane. That was definitely uh, one of the most fantastic finishes I've witnessed in, in all these years. Speaking of all these years, fantastic finishes, what are a couple others that kind of resonate, you know, top games, top moments? I know 34 years is a lot to choose from, but what are some other ones that stand out when you're talking to friends or family about things that happened in your career? What are some other ones that stick out? Well, one is would be the 1992 sectional championship boys basketball at Princeton, uh, Princeton versus Mendota, your old uh, hometown there. Mike Tillmartin is a Mendota coach. Roger Lowe is coaching Princeton. I'd say the teams are even. Princeton pulled it out. Jeff Olson, the Tiger AD now, hit one or two free throws to put Princeton in the lead late in the game. Oli will tell you now that he purposely missed the second free throw, but don't believe that. He was trying, but it missed. And that would not be on the uh, deciding point. Mendota came down. Probably a good chance they got fouled at the end, but there was no Jason Jones, I believe, was Mendota shooter, and was no call. The place just erupted, and we referred to it. We had a nice picture taken from my old colleague, dear uh, Bill Lamb. The place going nuts, and, and I called it uh, Proudy Panamonian. So that pretty much summed up the night there. The neat thing about that last play on Jeff Olson's part was Prince's star that year was. Old Matt McDonald, now better known as a Hall system baseball coach, 
but Mac was as good a basketball player as I've seen in all my time. He was the star. He led the fast break, and he gave the ball up to Jeff Olson, whereas everybody in the gym would have thought Matt McDonald was going to shoot the ball. But old Mac, he was a star player, but he was also a team player, and he gave the ball up. He gets a lot of credit, and uh, of course Olson made the free throw that, that made the difference. And that's a cool story because when I think of Matt McDonald, I'm thinking a pitcher who was in the right. arm system. Like, I don't even know about his basketball career. He was quite the talent, the left-handed player. I know Roger Lowe's told me, I think Mac averaged about maybe about 20 points a game, and it could be off a point or two. Mac will, will correct me, but uh, Roger Lowe has told me over the years that Mac could have probably scored 25, 28 points a game because he was that good, but he was such a team player that uh, he was more more important about winning than you know getting those stats so and that whole team that was uh just a bunch of good uh, he had matt mcdonald and a bunch of good role players around him and that was princeton's first sectional championship 1955 so in 37 years first sectional championship and in 55 we're talking like the joe rucklick years the big joe rucklick years yes the famous five joe rucklick lou flynn uh dick holt forty finn gary mullally those five was known as the famous five, and uh, just refresh with everybody. Uh, Princeton got fourth in the state that year. Joe Rucklick was an All American. Went on to, as you know, went on to Northwestern was All American, and then he was the backup center for uh, Will Chamberlain for three years. And unfortunately, just passed away recently. So rest in peace to Joe Rucklick. He was. I always referred to him as a gentle giant. First time I met Joe, I remember it well. He walked into the our old office downtown. I never met him before, didn't know he was coming, and he ducked into the newsroom because he's like six foot nine, six foot ten, and I just said to myself, that's got to be Joe Rutzlick. And it was. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I talked to him for a Where Are They Now story. Actually, the first one I wrote Where Are They Now is for six summers, and he was the very, very first one that I wrote. I thought, like, hey, if I could get, like, 10, 15 minutes from this guy, that'd be awesome. I'll have a fantastic story. I literally talked to him for almost two hours. Oh, yeah, I believe it. He loves talking uh, sports, loves talking basketball, and uh, I'm sure you guys talked about his uh, famous assist on Will Chamberlain's 100-point basket. Of course, of course. He was very happy about that. Oh, yeah. I got to do a story on, uh, he was a lifelong friend with Will Chamberlain after they played together until Will's death. But I did a story on those two guys, how they, two guys from separate you know, backgrounds, a white guy from rural central Illinois and a rap American from uh, inner city Philadelphia, and they became best friends. Funny story on this one. I got uh, Will's number, or I think Joe called Will and said, hey, would you talk to my friend here? So... Will Chamberlain called my office to speak to me, and I was out of the office. So he tells the receptionist, this is Will Chamberlain calling for Kevin. And she said, yeah, right, this is Will Chamberlain. <laughs> and he says, no, ma'am, it is Will Chamberlain. <laughs> so, did you get to link up with him anyway? I did. I was fortunate. My old comrade and our longtime pal, Charlie Elbrock, was in the office. And Charlie started to talk to Will. I was fortunate to walk in while they were still on the phone. So Charlie got to talk to him for a while, and then I got to talk to him. That was uh, one of my favorite interviews of all time. Oh, that's fantastic. Fantastic. Who were uh, a couple other guys or women, athletes, coaches that you will always remember talking to? I've seen so many great kids over the years, coaches. Um, I was telling you before, I got those texts, messages from people um, – 
I had messages from people that, that I wrote about in the in the late '80s. That was just wonderful. One of my favorite coaches now, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, is uh, Mike Filippini at Hall. As far as uh, if you're looking for some good interviews, good quotes, Phil's the guy to go to. No doubt, I totally agree. He's a treat, and uh, I guess I should say never, but I've rarely come across a, a coach that that we just didn't click when we were, you know, we were interviewing. So it's, I mean, it's been a pleasure to talk to all these fellows uh, and ladies over the years. I'm very appreciative of all their help over the years and being kind to this old reporter. Yeah, I have not ran into one that I didn't enjoy talking to with either. I mean, still doing it, still talking to them routinely, and still no problems with anybody. I love it. No, I mean, and let's be honest, sometimes when you just got grilled out there on that, on that game, if you think about it, those coaches don't really don't want to talk about it some, but uh, they all kind of suck it up and get the job done. And that's what makes Filippini great, because it doesn't matter if he wins, if he loses, he's still going to talk to you, he's still going to tell you the real side of the story, what he was thinking, why he did what he did, or whatever happened. That's why Filippini is awesome to talk to, because not that he doesn't care, but he's going to be honest and real about it. That's for sure. He, he tells how it is. If the kids didn't play very well, he'll tell you, and he said, I just told the kids that you know they didn't play very well, so I mean, he's honest with them, he's honest with us, and... Uh... There's always some good humor along the way, too. Definitely. And true story, I kind of expanded the Edge of Your Seat podcast high school range so I could cover Seneca and still talk to Brian Holman. There you go. Brian's another one of my favorite coaches. Uh, didn't get get to have him too long. I think just five years at Hall, but uh, he's the, quite the uh, young, talented coach. And me and you covered him several times together, and he was always a treat. Yeah, five years at Hall, softball and basketball, and I think he only missed, so two sports, that'd be five five apiece, so ten together. I think he only missed like three regional championship games. Yeah, he definitely turned both those programs around, no doubt. Now I miss Brian. I'm starting to get like sad. I need to call, <laughs> I need to call him. <laughs> well, I got a text from Brian. Uh, congratulations, so that we got to talk a little bit, so that was nice. Awesome. I bet... We've already went over this a couple of times, but you've probably been talking to everybody. Oh, yeah. Just recently, we had all these people reaching out to me, and uh, I was just talking about Charlie Kleinfelder, the chef down at DePew. I'm sure you would agree. He was always a he's always a colorful interview as well. Always fun to cover the DePew Little Giants. I have a fondness for the small towns like DePew. I grew up from a small town, so when DePew had these real good teams here recently, those were fun. I like the little teams, too. I've always been a fan of Charlie Kleinfelter, as you call them, the chef, the master chef. Always a fan of them. Um, when Amboy football was doing really well, I was always a fan of them. I always like the little schools, too. They're fun to cover. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely fun. They're definitely fun. And, you know, Brad, looking back, uh, I always say things kind of go in cycles. You know, schools seem to have cycles of, of talent coming in. And uh, all in the mid-'90s, they had dynamite kids that were multiple sports went to state one state in football and then of course went to basketball and state runner up two years in a row that was quite the group and then uh turn of the century it was beer valley's turn storm went to state basketball three years in a row got third place never been done before never been done since and then their football teams back-to-back state final appearances with one second one first the cycle was going real good there for the the Storm, and they had, they had good cross-country teams going, too. The 
Storm, in my mind, always have good cross-country teams because of a Mr. Dale Donner. He left a legacy at Vera Valley. Um, now he's another guy that has, has a reporter that you that you definitely miss. Dale has a gift of gab, and uh, he never uh, disappointed you with the interview. I bet you both of us could sit here and just list off coaches for hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite coaches of all time is Eric Bryant Sr. He was old school. Didn't make any bones about it. You did it his way or you, or you didn't play. I teased him about once about being old school, and he apologized. And I said, Eric, I'm not knocking you. I'm just joking. You know, I, you know, I love your coaching style. Keep it up. I missed him as a coach, but I have talked to him since he is part of the Depew Boat Race. Is it the gentleman's? Not the gentleman's club, but... The, the uh, Depew Men's Club. There we go. I said gentlemen's, yeah. but the Depew Men's Club. So I've talked to him out there with the races and, and stuff like that. He's a pretty cool guy. I like him. Oh, yeah. He's down my hat guy every year at the races. Uh, he gives us those hats. So when I see Eric at Depew, I know I'm getting a hat. I just went through my closet where I have all my hats, and I have like five of them in there. Different colors, yeah. some brighter than others, but all the pew hats, and Eric Bryant gave me every single one of them. Yes, sir. He's a hat man. Going back to the Hall of Fame introduction, so you got the notification, they put out the list of who was inducted. When does everything happen? Is there, you know, we're in COVID-19 time, so is there going to be a dinner? Is there going to be a formal introduction? How does this stuff work? In a normal year, there's a banquet, dinner, banquet, all the honorees are introduced. And, you know, you're joined by your families, and uh, it's a very, very nice night. Uh, right now, of course, everything's up in the air. They basically have told us to just stay tuned on our webpage for any updates. You know, right now, they're hopeful, but there's no day set. I can't set anything. Hope and see and pray that we can all get through this sooner rather than later. Definitely. And to add on to that... You know, right now would be basketball time. We would have Comoni Classic. We would have the Plano Christmas Classic. We would have all kinds of tournaments going on right now. We would have already covered Thanksgiving tournaments. None of that happening because of COVID-19. Winter sports put on pause, hold, probably not going to happen at all. You've been doing this for a long time. How do you feel about this whole situation? You know, it's, it's sad, Brian. I just feel for the kids. Most of all, I mean, I... I put myself in their position, like, I mean, especially the seniors. I have a senior in my house who's he's likely not going to get her senior year. Uh, we're still remaining hopeful, but just think of the kids who live and die for, for basketball and they're not going to get to play. And I feel so bad for them. I have mixed reactions on if they should be allowed to play or not. Um, I understand why they're not playing. Just unfortunate for sure. Wish we could all be playing games, going to the gym and seeing those kids play. This week, you know, we, we should be at the Classic, watching some ground ball and enjoying the hospitality room. I was thinking about talking with Coach Field and I. We were talking about, uh, hey, is this taco night there or is this a pizza night? Your stomach's wishing you were there. Some Italian beefs, something. Yeah, I mean, I mean Mrs. Bryant's tacos, the burritos. We just can't beat the whole hospitality room. Come on, Classic, we should all be there seeing some fantastic basketball. You know, now we have 12 teams in there. And then we're all just missing out on those uh, good eats in the hospitality room. Yeah, I was really happy with the Colmoni Classic the last year or two. It started to get not bad, but, you know, the local teams weren't in it. And there was teams that nobody was familiar with and not really good basketball. The last couple years, Burrow Valley, Fieldcrest, Mendota, St. Bede, Princeton, Rock Falls. Bloody. 
lot of good teams that we're familiar with, good coaches, good basketball, and it's been an awesome tournament to cover again. Oh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, this would have been the 47th year, so I would have seen uh, 34 of them, 34 out of the 46, I guess. Was, I was looking forward to another one. Just a sad deal. I've seen eight of them. <laughs> <laughs> you got a few to catch up with me there, big boy. Well, I did play in three of them, too, so does that count? Okay. You get the edge on me on that one. I got zero. I'm not saying I played well, but I was there. Okay. I'll give you that. Kevin, every time I have a guest on Edge of Your Seat Podcast, we have to play a game. There's so many people, so many things that you have done. I understand if we did high school game with any of the options that I get for games, it would be hard because somebody's going to get left out or trying to judge who is better and stuff like that. So we won't do high school. Let's do pro because you are a professional sports fan as well. Sounds good. Let's do your top five professional athletes of all time. You can start five or one, either end of the spectrum, and share us your wealth of knowledge of sports athletes. Sure, I'm going to start uh, number one. I think probably everybody's out to say uh, Michael Jordan. He uh, speaks for himself there. You know, after that, I think everybody's can just fall together after Michael Jordan, but uh, I was naming four more favorite players. Lou Brock would be on there. Uh, sadly, we lost Lou here this year, along with many other of our, uh, many of my other childhood heroes. Another favorite would be Terry Bradshaw, Steeler quarterback, four Super Bowls in the 70s. I'll stick with the Steelers, being a Steeler fan, uh, Franco Harris. And let's go with uh, Albert Pujol, St. Louis Cardinals. Okay. Because you are a monster Cardinals fan and Steelers fan, correct? Yes, sir. Big time. I love my Cardinals. love my Steelers. I think it was St. Bede softball at State. Was that two years ago, three years ago? We were standing next yeah. to each other. I had a Cubs polo on, and you had a St. Louis like windbreaker jacket on. Yeah, I think that we were ready to go at it, I think. <laughs> we could have. I mean, I think people would have stopped watching the softball game to watch us fight. I could see it. I think so. I think they would have. It may have got their uh, money's worth. And we may have sold more tickets than Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. Yes. I missed out on that one, but uh, I think so. It was a great idea, but it was a publicity stunt. It really wasn't a fight. I mean, they fought, but they made it a draw when it was obvious Tyson won. Well, I see Tyson said he smoked weed before the for the, box, the boxing match. I mean, at 54 years old, you might have to. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Did he bite off any ears this time? No, no, he kept his teeth in his mouth. He was a good boy this time. Before I let you go, real quick, we don't have to jump into the whole story, but you said, you know, you always wanted to be in Cooperstown. I know you had a little run where you were a pretty amazing baseball player, and you and I have never <laughs> spoke about this. So... Let's talk about your baseball career. Where did you go to high school, and what did you try to do with baseball afterwards? I went to Stanford Olympia, uh, old uh, Corn Belt Conference foe of St. Bede years ago, uh, but not at the time. We had uh, we were the first Corn Belt Conference champions my senior year. From there on, even at the old college try at ISU, as tryouts uh, didn't make the team. Uh, I got to write about the team, but I didn't get to play for the team, so that was kind of funny. But uh, I played many years in the former Corn Valley Baseball League, based out of Bloomington Normal, semi-pro league, played uh, 
in in Bloomington for several years, and then uh, took our franchise down the road to my hometown of Atlanta, Illinois, in the uh, early '90s. Right down there, won uh, three straight Corn Valley League championships, and just had a lot of fun. It was a very competitive league back in the day. Just a lot of teams around the, a lot of towns around the Bloomington area. We're talking Pontiac, Hayworth, Clinton, Atlanta, McLean. Bloomington Normal had teams on and off. Colfax had a team one time. Metamore had a team one year. So it was just a real high-quality ball. A lot of former college players, some uh, high school kids, you know, waiting to play during the summer. Some college kids wanting to play during the summer. But uh, it was a real, real fun league and uh, you know, pretty highly competitive. So you were a baseball player inducted into the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association Hall of Fame. Which is your favorite sport? Oh, I got to go baseball, Brandon. I, I've coached basketball um, several years, but uh, it's baseball. I mean, I grew up on the Little League fields of, of Atlanta, Illinois, and had an eye toward playing the big leagues one day, preferably the Cardinals. Yeah, it's baseball. Baseball is like first love for me, for sure. Now, is Atlanta, Illinois as big as Atlanta, Georgia? It's not quite. It would be maybe a couple blocks, probably, size of Atlanta, Georgia. But uh, we are named after Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> nice. I never even knew there was an Atlanta, Illinois. In between Bloomington and Lincoln on I-55. How many people? 1,800. So it's a metropolis. Yes. It is also the hometown of Kip Cheek. Okay. Kip and I were best friends growing up. And Kip is a sports writer for the Mendota Reporter. Mendota Reporter, and Kip is actually responsible for me having my job. In 86, I was looking for a job. The Republican was looking for a sports guy. They asked Kip. Jim Dunn was the editor. He asked Kip if he would be interested. Kip said no, but I have a friend who is. And I interviewed here I am 34 years later. Wow. Wow. So shout out to Kip. Big shout out to Kip. Uh, long time buddy. Only bad thing about Kip was for me was he was a Cub fan. So we clashed a little bit on that. College roommates, best men of each other. Now uh, both been in the business a long time. The funny thing is, is I've covered some games with both of you or been at the media day for Mendota or whatever, taking photos, and I never knew this. I never knew that you guys were college roommates or really good friends. I had no idea. Yes. Yep. Long time. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I guess this seems like a good time to let you go. Kevin Hieronymus, thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. It was a pleasure and honor to speak with you about getting inducted into the Hall of Fame and talking about some highlights of your career. And thank you. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you very much. It was my pleasure to be on. I've been, I've been enjoying your shows. So it's an honor to get on. You have not been listening to my shows. Sometimes. Now I feel honored. I feel honored yeah. that Kevin Hieronymus has listened to my shows. I wanted to get that shout out there. Yep. <laughs>